See for champion. Okay, that's the title of my message. So I'm just going to pray and start. I'm super excited. I'm sure this is going to bless you, Father. We just want to thank you, Lord, for uh, a wonderful morning, Lord. Thank you for reminding us that we serve a God who is holy, a God who is uh, reverential. You are reverential. We come before you with awe and admiration and adoration that such a holy God has chosen us. to be holy for him your word says lord be holy as your heavenly father is holy we thank you thank you jesus that as the angels sing day in day out holy 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 is the lord god almighty we join them in singing our worship to you we pray lord as we look at your word your holy word we pray come and speak to us minister to us this morning lord speak into our hearts we pray i pray for each of my brother and sister lord jesus young and old that you will minister to them and bless them through this word strengthen them we pray this in your precious name lord jesus amen amen hallelujah okay so see for champion right we all know that our english is good see for champion there's there's another word with see and it's called challenge yeah if you like hindi it's chunauti also it's all see see all around right and uh, both are linked it is our challenges that produce a champion amen right no one lying on the bed is called a champion it is when you overcome a certain challenge is when you become a champion i i read this beautiful quote which someone put on an insta saying no enemies no battles no battles no victories no victories no crown right so enemy is just another word for challenge right so when you face challenges is when you will have battles when you win battles is when you will have victory and when you have victory you deserve the crown amen so we thank god in the midst of challenge we don't thank god for the challenge but we thank god in the midst of challenges because challenges are an opportunity for us to become a champion amen and that is my message this morning it is all about see we are looking at c right c c for champion c for challenge but in english see also means the way you see and i was so happy when nikita who didn't know what i was going to preach uh, took this song open the eyes of my heart lord amen that i can see clearly and it is the way we see the way we look at things makes a big difference makes a huge difference at the end of the next half an hour you will be convinced it is so important uh, what we see how we see who we see amen Amen. So moving forward, this morning we are going to turn to our Bibles, obviously, right? And we are going to look at a story, a story from the Old Testament. Yes. So you know I'm back, right? Because we are looking at a story from the Old Testament. You see, there are some stories that you've looked at and you've looked at again and again. And over the years, I know most of us are Christians for over a decade, and you you've read the same story, and sometimes you wonder what's so new about this story. what's so new but you know i want to tell you this uh, brothers and sisters the bible is like a prism you know imagine a light passing through a prism i i am sure we've all used this at some point in our schools you know is this kind of an instrument where you cause the light to pass and the other side you see multiple rays you know beautiful colorful rays and that is how the word of god is you know when you let it go through you every time you look at the bible it will be fresh manna 
it will be something new. Amen? How many of us agree? Right? That is the beauty of the Holy Spirit giving us new revelation from the same word every time. You know, I've been going through Psalm 23 and I was mentioning to the rock stars the other day that every time I've read Psalm 23, a new verse has jumped out. Now, mind you, it's all of six, seven verses. That's it. But every time I've looked at it, I was talking to Pastor Ram Sharda yesterday from uh, Uttarakhand and I was telling him something and he said, I love this so much. I'm going to preach about this tomorrow morning. <laughs> you know, so it is, that is how it is. Sometimes you look at Psalm 23, I have bayarded it. You know, every week I say it to myself, but suddenly there is something that the Lord said, you know, I put a table before you. You make me lie down in green pastures. I never looked at it like lie down. Okay, someday, some other day I'll preach on that. But, you know, my point is you look at the scriptures and you look at the story and you look at it from different angles and the spirit reveals something new to you. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, every time you open the Bible, don't think, oh, I know this passage. I know this story. I know this character. No, you don't. You really don't. Because if you allow the Holy Spirit to let the word of God, which is the light of God, pass through your heart, you will find a new color, a new revelation. Amen? Amen? Can I get a thumbs up for that? Hallelujah. If you've received a new revelation in these last five months, I am sure you have. You know, words and scriptures have jumped out to you. Okay? So we are going to look at a story. It's story time. And the story is a famous story. The story of David and Goliath. Oh my goodness. You're like, what else is left in David and Goliath? I promise you, this is something the Lord spoke to me two weeks ago. And I was so excited when the Lord spoke to me. I quickly took my diary and I began to write. You know, it's just one verse that I'm going to show you. We looked at the story of David and Goliath over the years, you know, from different angles. We've looked at it from Saul's angle. We've looked at it from Eliab's angle. We looked at it from Goliath's angle. We looked at it from David's angle, of course. David is the star. But this morning, we are going to look at it from the soldier's angle. There were soldiers, right? There were soldiers at both sides. There were the Philistine soldiers and there were the Israelite soldiers. I'm going to look at it from the soldier's angle. And there's a point, I hope, this is one point, uh, and I hope that um, you get this. Okay. So first and foremost, let's look at who these Philistines were. There is an enemy. And if you've read the Old Testament, you know the Philistines were the most notorious enemies of the Israelites. You know? So there are the Egyptians, yes, but they are there only in Exodus. You know, that's it. Then the Lord rescues them. And then you don't hear of the Egyptians. Then there's the Babylonians in the times of uh, Hezekiah and Nehemiah and uh, Daniel, of course. But again, you hear of them and then they're gone. And then there's the Persians who come and go. And then there's the Romans you know, in the time of Jesus. But you will be, arguably, the Philistines would be the most consistent enemy of the Israelites. And the question is, who are these Philistines? Where do you hear about them? They, they come as early as Genesis 10, mind you. So we know Noah had three sons. Okay, not Anoah. Anoah has only one son as of now. But the Noah of the Bible, the Noah of Genesis 6 had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The second son was a naughty boy. We know that story, Ham. And Ham had a son called Mizium. And this clan, the Philistine clan, come, came from his son named Kasluhites. Too confusing, so drop it. But their ancestors were called Kasluhites. That's what Genesis 10 tells us, that the Kasluhites from whom the Philistines came. So the Philistines were a race, a powerful race, a strong race. 
They are right through there. They are in Genesis. They are in Exodus. Then they again appear in the book of Joshua. Uh, we will look at the book of Judges very quickly. They are in Judges. They are right through. And you think, oof, Judges, that's it. They are done. No, they again appear in Samuel and then Kings and then Chronicles. And you think, okay, finally they are done. No, they are there in Isaiah. They are in Jeremiah. They are in Ezekiel. They are right till the book of Zechariah, which is the second last book in the Old Testament. So imagine from Genesis to Zechariah, you will hear about the Philistines. These were people who were physically strong. Which race comes to your mind? You know, when I think of physical built, I think of the Australians. Imagine you look at any Australian and most of them are physically well built. You will find a certain Britisher who's not so well built. Or you'll find an American who's like obese. But you look at the Australians, you know, they are recognized as a race, which is a, a strong race. They're strong. You look at the cricketers. They are all strong, you know, they are mighty. And that is how the Philistines were. They were naturally strong built. They were warriors. They served a god called Dagon, not Dagon, okay? Dagon, Dagon. Dagon was half man and half fish. So this is the god they served. And the Bible mentions Dagon. You know, there is this clash between Dagon and Yahweh, another story, very interesting story. So you look at, uh, why they served Dagon? Because they were known as the people of the sea. Do you know that e uh, Discovery Channel has a documentary on the sea people? If you get to watch it, please do. It's very interesting. It's called the sea people. And Zechariah mentions this. The last prophet to mention the Philistines mentions that the Philistines were people of the sea. And no wonder they served a god who was half fish, you know. So this is the Philistines. These, these are the Philistines. Uh, it's a very interesting study. In fact, the first time you hear about them is in the book of Genesis I mentioned. And there is a king called Abimelech. You heard that song? Abimelech, 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 Abimelech. That way. So the Abimelech and Abraham encounters him. And Abimelech is a good king, by the way. He's the king of Gerar, which is uh, Philistine territory. And uh, it's a lovely story. You know, how God speaks to Abimelech, by the way. You know, and God speaks to Abimelech and Abimelech speaks to God. And it's an interesting story. So he's the first actual name that you hear among the Philistines. He's a king. And then you come uh, to the book of uh, Joshua. And the Bible says God did not take the Israelites through the Philistine region. God avoided it. God said, no, no, no. Philistines are too big for you right now. You can't fight them. So God said, take this route. So he took them exactly in the opposite direction. And then Joshua conquered all the territories, including the Philistine territory. And then comes the book of Judges. And you can't read the book of Judges without remembering that there were these enemies called the Philistines. They appear time and again. And two warriors who fought them, one was Shamgar. I am preparing a message on Shamgar. He is an amazing guy. And of course, you've heard of Samson. Everyone's heard of Samson. You know, his, his story appears over three chapters and you hear, you know, Delilah saying the Philistines have come, the Philistines have come, you know. So, you know, Samson took on the Philistines, the Philistines took on Samson and finally Samson uh, died killing the Philistines. So the Philistines are all over the place, mind you. Okay, so now we are in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and we are in for an epic battle. Every one of us knows the story of David and Goliath. Okay, so you know the end. But uh, I'm going to backtrack you and come to 1 Samuel 17. So what's happening right now? Right now, 
Israel has a king called King Saul. All right. Saul was a man who started off well, the first king of Israel. And Israel chose to have a king instead of God as a king. They wanted a human as a king. So they chose Saul, a tall man, a handsome man, and a man who started off well. But then somewhere midway, he lost the plot. He became very man-centered and forsook God. And here is a time where the Israelites have drawn a battle against their most formidable enemy, which is the Philistines. On one side is King Saul, and the other side is King Akish. Okay, now you don't hear much about Akish because he was a patu guy. He was nothing. But Akish had a turut ka patta. He had a jack of all trades. And this jack was called Goliath. Goliath! Oh my goodness, you look at this man in 1 Samuel 17. And you know, it is not very often that the Bible takes footage. The Bible takes four verses to explain to you this gigantic man. Some people say he was nine foot nine inch tall. Just imagine. Hitesh will look like a dwarf in front of him. Forget all of us. You know, nine feet nine inch. What are you talking about? He's touching my ceiling. Probably with shoes, he's even crashing my ceiling. And not only was he tall. Now we know currently the tallest man right now living is a man called, um, I think his name is Koshen. You know, Sultan Koshen, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, eight feet, two inch. That's that's quite tall right now. But imagine the, uh, almost one and a half feet taller than the tallest man in 2020. You know, and Goliath was not just tall. He was heavy. He was huge. He was strong and mighty. The, the instruments he carried, his weapon, his sword, his shield, his anklets, all of that weighed around 80 kgs. Can you imagine? That's like more than my weight right now. Uh, 80 kgs is just the weapon he carried on his body. You can imagine how heavy he was. Thankfully, the Bible doesn't tell us his weight, but I'm sure he was like 125, 130, 140, even 150 kgs. 150 kg, you know. This guy was heavy. And not only was he heavy, he was a warrior. His sword had killed many, many warriors. He was the undisputed champion. Twice, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, twice that there was a champion named Goliath. Now, we're not talking about, you know, just beating someone in the ring. Here was a man who had walked out to kill. And anyone who came across died. Finish. That was the end. Every time Goliath went out, he won. There was no one who could challenge him. And no wonder if you have such a man in front of you, what do you call him? You call him a legendary warrior. There were stories told about Goliath. There were songs written about Goliath. You know, and not just by the Philistines. It was everywhere, everywhere. He was a recognized man. So when he walked into the battlefield, can you look at this verse very clo closely? 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 24 tells us, when the Israelites saw the man, when the Israelites saw the man, not the man, actually the giant, you know, uh, he was like uh, an intimidating figure. They all ran from him in great fear. Forget fighting him. Forget fighting him. His very presence, his look caused terror. You know, you could just feel the chill in your spine when he came and he rolled. He defied the God of the Israelites. He challenged them to come on, take me on. One on one, let's do this. 
and the Israelites were shivering. So was Saul. They ran from him every time he came to the, the hillside, you know, on his side of the hill. He rolled and they ran. They ran from him. They couldn't stand him. They feared his very presence. There was great fear, the Bible says. There was great fear. And now enters our boy who has not heard about Goliath. He's not even heard about, you know, the Philistines probably. Here he is in his own world. His world is the field, right? And his people are the sheep. The few sheep, his brother says, the few sheep that you have, what, 10, 15, 20, that's it. And that's it. That is David's world. You know, he takes the sheep every morning. He goes out. He feeds them. He makes them lie down in green pastures. He oils them. You know, he, provide, he, he provides for them. He cares for them. He protects them, by the way. If you've seen the image very carefully, you will see a lion dead. You know, and David had killed lions and bears. Though nobody may have believed his story. But that is who David was. He was, he was a champion in his own right. While there was a champion of the other side of the world, which was Goliath, David was a champion in the sight of God. Here was a young boy who loved God, who loved music, who loved worshipping God, who loved taking care of his sheep. And then what happens? We know Jesse, his father, sends him to the battlefield. And David comes and hears Goliath challenging the Israelites. It's been 40 days, every day, morning, evening, Goliath has come and abused the God of Israel. He has abused the Israelites. He's mocking them. He's making fun of them. On the 40th day, David walks into the battlefield. And what does he hear? He hears the voice of Goliath defying Israel, defying, mocking them. Come on, take me on. Come on, you cowards, take me on. And this is what happens. Now we looked at what happened in 1 Samuel 17, 24. They ran from him two verses later. Look at what happens. David said to the men who stood by him, David is there and he suddenly sees this huge figure and he says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? What shall be done? Because verse 25, if you read verse 25, it says three things will be done. First, the king will give this man a great wealth. Anyone who fights Goliath and kills him will have great wealth, will have the king's daughter. Mind you, that's a big trump card. And he will be tax-free. Tax-free, tax exemption. You understand three, these three things, right? Modiji doesn't have a daughter, but you can imagine, right? What will happen? Great wealth. You will get a bungalow at Kaf Parade. You know, if you kill Goliath, what else? No tax, no tax for you and your family. Tax-free. No GST, no CST, nothing. It's all free for the rest of your life. Whatever, whoever comes, whichever party comes, you are exempted for the rest of your life and you will get the king's daughter. What more can you ask for? So David wants to know what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. Now this is like, you know, some dirt lying in the corner of your house. See, what will happen if I remove this dirt? This guy's a dirt. You know, he's a reproach. He's, he's like a burden on Israel. What will happen? And then now look at this. I want you to look at this verse very carefully. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Isn't it wonderful? Look at how people were looking at Goliath. They were looking at how huge he is, what he is carrying, you know, how big his body, his height, 
you know what David was looking at? The who. David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Look at the way David has looked at him. No pun intended. Okay. David is seeing what no one else can see. You understand? You know, while the people look at Goliath as a giant, David looks at him as someone who is uncircumcised. This guy is uncircumcised. That's the key word, right? Okay. And I'm not going to explain to you. Uh, call me if you want to know the details. But uncircumcised is simply a covenant. There was a covenant. We are in 1 Samuel 17. But in Genesis 17, there was a covenant made with a man called Abraham, David's ancestor, right? A man called Abraham. And God had done a covenant of circumcision with him. So God said a covenant is an agreement, but where it ends only with death, you know? So it's much greater than a agreement. Covenant is something that you say that if you break, we will die. It's that kind of seriousness. So God had made a covenant and a covenant involves a promise. So God said, listen, Abraham, if you and all your men and all your descendants agree and, you know, come, come in this covenant with me, it is called the covenant of circumcision. What you have to do, every male, every male child who is eight days old, get him circumcised. And this will be a mark that you belong to me. It is a mark of being holy. That was the theme today, right? This is a mark of what is holy. The word holy means set apart. That is what God was saying. The God was saying to Abraham, be set apart from all other nations. And how will you be set apart? I will give you a mark, the mark of circumcision. And this is God's promise. Look at what God says. Can I read this for you? Genesis chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. It says, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan. The right now the fight is happening in the land of Canaan, mind you. I will give you, I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and to your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Now, there is something you I want you to notice if you have not noticed already is I will. When God says I will, listen to this brothers and sisters. When God says I will, it's not an oops. Sometimes, you know, you say I will call you back and you forget. And you're like, oops, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot about it. You know, I will pay the bill. Oops, I forgot. You know, our I will is very ordinary, very ordinary. You say I will, but most often you won't, you know. That's how it is. We are not, we, we cannot be relied on as human beings. None of us can. But when God says, I will mind you, that is a promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is a promise from God. I will build my church. Hallelujah. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is an established covenant. It is an established promise between us and Jesus. Jesus said, I will. Atam. You know, I will. It is a promise. This is what God said to Abraham. I will confirm my covenant. I will always be the God of you and your descendants. I will give the entire land and I will make sure that you possess this forever. I will be your God. That is what God is saying. And that is what David has taken hold of. David has taken hold of the fact that they are under the covenant of circumcision and the opposite party is uncircumcised. They don't have God by their side. Hallelujah. 
you see the difference the way people look the army looked at goliath and the way david looked at and the army looked they looked at what goliath has my goodness goliath has got height goliath has got build goliath has got records goliath has got shield goliath has got spear goliath has got armor bearer and what david looked at well i'll tell you what goliath doesn't have goliath doesn't have god hallelujah hallelujah you get this are you excited about this amen so this is my first point i'm quickly going to share three points and i'm going to end this simple three points that's it uh, we all know how the story ended right we all know david killed goliath okay there is there is no secret there but i want to bring three points look at this my first point is someone greater than me is taking care of my problems who is that it is god hallelujah hallelujah you see when people looked at goliath they looked at a problem and they were like this is a huge problem man this is a huge problem we cannot handle this i mean forget one on one even if we go 10 on one he might chop us because look at him look at the scars on his body is just a testimony to how many people this guy has killed look at his face look at the anger look at his biceps you know they were looking at goliath as a problem so big that cannot be solved i heard this funny story about a man visiting a doctor and he visited the doctor and he said doctor uh doctor said yes yes my friend what is wrong with you he said everything is wrong with me everything my knee is paining my ankle is paining my hip is paining my elbows are paining my wrist is paining my head is paining my nose is paining my eyes are paining my ears are paining the doctor said that's not possible he said of course you think i'm lying everything is paining see every place i touch it pains every place i touch it pains the doctor examined and said my friend all you have is a broken finger all you have is a broken finger everywhere it touched it pained it pained because he had a broken finger you see sometimes we can make our problems so big so big so massive so huge but all it is is it's a broken finger yes you know and that's why you touch everywhere it's pain right so understand this your problem is not bigger than god can i hear an amen say it i can hear it in my spirit right what does the bible say david didn't need to know goliath strength listen to this carefully david didn't need to know goliath strength because he already knew god hallelujah he knew god's strength he knew his god was it didn't matter to him it didn't matter what goliath had done in the past it didn't matter goliath's records and his height and his build and his achievements didn't matter because david had soaked himself with god he had spent time hearing god he had spent time worshiping god he had spent time mind you listening to the promises that god had given to his ancestors hallelujah in this time my friends we have a goliath right now in front of us this whole pandemic seems like a goliath so my question to you is what are you listening to are you listening to a lot of news are you listening to a lot of complaints are you listening to a lot of people grumbling right are you listening to a lot of fearful news or are you turning to the word of god and listening to the promises of god hallelujah amen it is very important what are you listening to how do you see things see things open the eyes of my heart lord that was our first song right 
open the eyes. So my first point is, there is no problem that my God cannot solve. Hallelujah. My God is strong and he mighty. Mighty to save, mighty to deliver. The second thing is, how do we see things? Do we look at things in the natural or do we look at things in the supernatural? Look at this verse. Now I want you to look at this one word, who. Everybody say who. 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 Who let the dogs out. Who. Right? Yeah. Who. Who is a very important word. You see what the, what the Israelites were looking at. Yeah? We're looking at two angles, right? The army was looking at the what. What does he have? What has he carried? They were looking at how, how big he is, how his record speaks of himself, you know. But David had an angle. David said, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You see, the Bible has 5,000 who's. You know that? The Bible has 5,000 who's. Who? I think Jesus, look at this verse. Jesus said, what about you? He asked in Matthew 16. Who do you say I am? Who am I? Who am I? What do you say? You know, he asked the disciples, what do people say? What do people say about me? And they said, some say you are Isaiah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. You know, different. Jesus says, okay, forget them. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we always start with the who. We are not looking at the what. What? What is Corona doing? How many people has Corona killed? Ah, bah, bah, bah. Don't look at the what and the how. Those are all secondary. Those are all peripheral things. The critical question is who is with us? Hallelujah. Who is with us? It is Jesus. The Messiah, the son of the living God is with us. Start with who? Always start with who? Who can stand against you? Amen. Romans says, who can stand against you? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Amen. You understand the importance of who? Understand who is with you. And then every other thing will look like a shadow in the light of God. Amen. God is too big. My third and last point is, I remember the days. Now we don't do that very often. In fact, we rarely do it. It's all on the phone. But there were days when we lived in Sion in Pratikshanagar. And even after moving to Chambur, Jackie and I would always go shopping together. We enjoyed this. You know, it was our family time of bonding. Uh, before we put any stuff in the basket, in that trolley, we put Jeevan in the trolley. He fit in the trolley. Trust me, there were days when he fit in the trolley. And we would take the trolley around. And uh, there were ways of looking at things. Every time when Jackie looked at a stuff, she picked up maybe a shampoo or anything, anything, you know, chocolate, anything, any new item. She looked at the quality. It was an angle of looking at things. Guess what I looked at? <laughs> I looked at the price. So Jackie said, look at this. This is so beautiful. And I turned it behind and I looked at the MRP. And I said, of course, it is beautiful. Of course, budget may better, right? So beautiful yoga. You know, but if it was not in the budget, I would tell her, eh, I don't think this is that great. Cha, cha, cha. This is not a poor quality. Expiry date is very close. Whatever I had to tell her, you know, it was the way of looking at things. Jackie never looked at the price. Very rarely she did. I always looked at the price. 
the brand didn't matter to me the product didn't matter to me what mattered to me was is it worth it is it worth it you know so i think my my sindhi family will agree with me you know it's always got to be worth it what say ashanti it's got to be worth it you know if it is not worth it then it is not it doesn't matter whether tata's made it or birla's made it it's got to be worth its value it's the way you look at things you know when the soldiers were looking at goliath they were looking at a certain angle when david looked at the same man mind you the same person with the same gears with the same record but david had a different perspective and that is where we need to look at we need to have a different perspective from the world brothers and sisters if as christians we are speaking the same language the same tone you know the same fear appears in our tone then there is something wrong then we are conforming to the patterns of the world no 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 let's look at goliath yes it's the same goliath but let's look at goliath with eyes of faith hallelujah with eyes of boldness knowing god you are with me that is what champions are produced look at this beautiful verse 1 corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 says thanks be to god he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ can i hear an amen thanks be to god what does he do he gives us the victory the victory belongs to us through our lord jesus christ i want to end by telling you you know uh, this animal this bird is called the hawk the hawk is recognized uh, have you heard of the term hawk how many of you can you give me a thumbs up yeah very famous term right it's also a marvel character hawk the reason they speak of the hawk's eye is because the hawk is supposed supposedly has the sharpest eyesight in the animal kingdom eight times better than human beings it can spot a squirrel or a rabbit from 100 feet can you imagine 100 feet we can't recognize people's faces in 100 feet you know 100 feet is a lot of distance right but they can spot their prey from 100 feet they are they have nocturnal another beautiful thing about hawk this is side side uh, side point is that they spend their entire life with one partner isn't that beautiful yeah the hawks have only one partner they mate with only one partner for their entire life but that's a side point that is probably for a couples meeting <laughs> but they have brilliant eyesight brilliant eyesight and i felt god challenges saying how do you look at things have a hawk's eye amen look at things from a godly perspective one thing david took hold of was the promises of god and look at what the bible says 2 corinthians 120 says no matter how many promises god has made no matter can you say no matter everybody no matter no matter how i told you how doesn't matter no matter how many promises god has made they are yes in christ and so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of god hallelujah amen god has made a promise god has said to you i will protect you i will provide for you i will keep you safe and strong i will nourish you i will cause you to grow i will bless you i will prosper you hallelujah all those i wills take those i will seriously because david did david did and he killed goliath 
Hallelujah. With his own sword, by the way. The sword that Doliath had used to kill many, David used his own sword against him. Amen. Amen. So fear not, brothers and sisters. We have a choice this morning. Do we look at Goliath the way the army looked at Goliath? Or we do we look at Goliath and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who can, you know, who is challenging? There is no way, there is no way he can prevail. I can bring him down. Hallelujah. I want to end with this. I just want to pray. And uh, if we can close our eyes and uh, look to God. Let's close our eyes and look to God. Look to Jesus, the Bible says, the author and perfecter of our faith. He will cause us to triumph. Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for David. We thank you for the shepherd boy who brought down a giant, double his size. We thank you that with you, nothing is impossible. Who do you say I am? Lord, we acknowledge that you are Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you are with us. You are for us. You said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will build my church. We hold on to these promises, Lord. We hold on to these promises in these times of pandemic and fear and confusion and chaos. We hold on to you, Lord. We know in the midst of this challenge, that we see you and we will be triumphant. We will be those champions. I pray that, Lord Jesus, for everyone listening to this message, that we will be known as safer champions. As we see you in the midst of everything, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We will emerge as champions for your glory. We pray. Amen. Amen.